that. No matter how old your kids are, you need to hear that. Um, today we're honoring our mothers, and what most of us uh, uh, know is that the Bible is full of great men. We've got Abraham, we've got Isaac, we've got Jacob, we've got Samuel and David, and we've got uh, Jesus and Timothy, and the list goes on. And what I want to tell you this morning is that behind every successful and great man is a... a <laughs> You're faster than the morning crowd. Boy, that's, that's amazing. Are you going to finish my sermon off for me? Um, yeah, behind every great man is a great mother. And uh, I want to talk about that this morning. Isaac had Sarah and Jacob. Who did he have? Who did Jacob have? Who's his mother? Anybody know? No? <laughs> did anybody read their Bible? <laughs> okay, well, Jacob had Rachel, right? And, uh, and uh, listen to this. Moses had Jochebed, right? Anybody ever hear of Jochebed? You didn't know that. You didn't even know her name, but guess what? She was the one responsible for saving Moses' life because um, Moses uh, was a, a young boy at the time when Pharaoh wanted to have all the Jewish boys murdered. And Moses' mother wasn't having any of that. And so what she did is she created for him a little ark made of pitch and straw and put little Moses in that little ark and floated him on the Nile River. And uh, the good news is that Moses was found by Pharaoh's daughter, who ended up adopting this little, little Moses as her very own son. And of course, you know the story of Moses. He grows up to be a great, great leader in the Old Testament. And then there was Hannah. Anybody hear of Hannah? Hannah was the mother of Samuel, arguably one of the greatest men in the Old Testament, uh, one of the greatest leaders for sure, and a great prophet. And uh, a man that uh, preceded the kings of Israel. A great and godly man. And here's the thing with Hannah. She couldn't have children. And she went to, before the Lord and she pleaded to the Lord and asked the Lord, please give me a son. And God heard her prayer and gave her little Samuel. Now what's, what a lot of people don't realize in that story is that she only had Samuel for 12 years. And then after 12 years, she gave him back to the Lord, and Samuel went to live with the high priest, Eli, and became uh, an apprentice to lead Israel. And again, here we, here we have a great man who had a great mother. Of course, uh, we have to mention Jesus' mother, Mary, perhaps the greatest mother of all time, a mother who, who uh, did not let her son down, and a mother who watched her son and listened to her son, respected, admired her son. And the Bible says that she, she hid all of these things in her heart. A wonderful mother. And then there's a mother that few of us are aware of. In fact, I've got to be honest with you. I, I didn't uh, really know about this woman because she's not really mentioned. And she's not known by name. There's only an obscure reference to her found in the Psalms. I'd like you to take a look at the scripture verse. There we go. Thank you. And if you'd read that with me. This is David, by the way, a part of his prayer, Psalm 86. Read that with me. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. 
That is the only reference that we, ever, that we find um, in reference to David's mother. We don't know who she is. We don't know what she was like, really. Uh, all we know is what David says about his mother here in this passage of Scripture. So I, I was really quite captivated by this. and I, I thought, I'd like to share this with you this morning. Share with you about this mother who had a most remarkable son, and his name was David, or some may know, King David. David's mother modeled for him a godly, a godly life. She was a great example to him. She, uh, she showed him what it was to have a solid walk with God. She showed David how to depend on God. And I want you to, to, to recognize something here. When David wrote this, he probably would have been middle-aged. He probably would have been uh, maybe my age, maybe a little younger, I'm not sure. But I do know this. That here's David, a middle-aged man, and he still is making reference to his mother. He's still making reference to his godly mother. And so before we go anywhere, before I go on, I've got to say this to all the mothers here who have children who are over 18. Your influence, your ministry, your job as a mother does not end when your kids turn 18. Do you know that this morning? When your kids turn 18, that doesn't mean that magically you're not responsible for them anymore. This, this idea that you know, when your kids turn 18 that suddenly you know, they're growing up and they're on their own, this is, this is, this is an artificial uh, creation. We, we've created that because we needed to figure out when a kid turns 18. Is that when he's an adult? Some places you've got to be 21 before you're an adult. But we do know this. David, in middle age, still referred to his mother as the one who had this great influence on him. Mothers, your job does not end. And if you're here today and you've got, you've got kids who are over 18 and maybe, maybe they're on their own and they're having their own kids and maybe their own grandbabies, guess what? You're still a mother and you're still responsible for your kids. A woman by the name of Florida Scott Maxwell, she says this. She says, no matter how old a mother is, she watches, she watches her middle-aged children for signs of improvement. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't stop. And guess what? It shouldn't stop. Your responsibility is to continue to grow and to continue to develop and to continue to be a better person. And guess what, moms? You have a responsibility to lead the way in this. So I want to talk this morning about what David's mother taught him. And the first thing we recognize in these first few words in that verse is, uh, and if you would just read that with me, turn to me and have mercy on me. Read that again. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Just stop for a moment now. David learned from his mother, I believe, what it is to have a personal relationship with God. This is a very personal prayer. This is, this is, this is between David and his God. God, he says, turn to me. God, have mercy on me. He has this personal relationship with God, which I believe he learned from his mother. I'm going to tell you this, teaching your kids to have a relationship with God and to walk with God is something that's very difficult to teach. It's not something that you can teach so much with words as much as it's something that you model and demonstrate for your kids. Your kids will learn, mothers. They will learn from you what it means to have a relationship with God by the relationship that you have with God. I'm going to say this, if your relationship with God is non-existent or is shaky or not where it needs to be, then guess what? 
you will teach that to your kids. You will teach your kids that having a relationship with God is, is not that important if you don't have a relationship with God. If you find it important to, to meet with God, to pray, to, to study the scriptures, then your kids will learn from you, mother, that it's, it's important. Now, when I first got married to Gloria, we immediately went off to Greece. And one of the things that shocked me is that every time something maybe difficult uh, sprung up, there was a problem that would spring up, Glory would immediately say, Jesus. We'd be driving along and some Greek would cut us off and she'd say, Jesus. She'd be cutting vegetables up and almost cut her finger. She'd say, Jesus. If there was a loud noise in the neighborhood, she would say, Jesus. And at first I thought, what have I married? This girl, she's taken the Lord's name in vain. Why is she saying this? And one day I just said to her, I could just, I, Gloria, you know what? Like, you keep saying that. Like, I don't think it's right to do that. She said, what are you talking about? This is a prayer. I'm praying out to Jesus for help. Wow. She's crying out to God for help. God, help me. And with just one word, she's asking Jesus for help. Jesus. Jesus. Now, as time went on, I discovered, we came home from Greece, I got to know Gloria's family a little bit, and guess what? Her mother does the same thing. A loud noise, and it's, now we've got a duet happening. Gloria and her mom, Jesus. And then, uh, and then Gloria's sisters, if they're around, then we've got a quintet happening here, a quartet. Everybody's Jesus. These people have a, a personal relationship with God whereby they find themselves constantly crying out to the Lord for help. And it's been passed on from generation because I met Gloria's grandmother, uh, who has, sadly has passed on now, but guess what? She too says, yeah, passed on from generation to generation to cry out to God for help. I want to ask you the question this morning, mothers, what are you passing on to your kids? Are you teaching them what it is to walk with God day by day, moment by moment, so that whatever happens, whatever comes their way, that your kids find themselves crying out to the Lord? That your kids understand that a regular part of the Christian experience is a personal relationship with God. And it doesn't start and stop when you come through these doors. And when you go home. But it goes with you from this place where you have a, a rich relationship with God. There's a, there are four pastors in discussion about having a debate about translations. How many know there's lots of different translations out there? And one pastor says, you know, I really, really believe in the good old King James Bible. And everybody said, there's a three, three or four amens there. That's the translation he preferred. And another pastor said, well, personally, I prefer the Revised Standard Version. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but usually at Westminster Abbey, um, when there's any kind of a service there, they always use the King James, or what they call the Authorized Version. But how many know that during uh, Kate and William's wedding that the scripture was read from the RSV? Anybody know that? Anybody care? No? 
Well, it was reported on the news. Big news. It's a big deal. This pastor prefers the RSV. Another one said, you know what, I prefer the NIV, the New International Version. It's so much easier to understand. And then finally, the three pastors looked over at the fourth one and said, which translation do you prefer? And he said, well, I actually prefer my mother's translation. And they looked at him and said, your, your mother did a Bible translation? He said, not with pen and paper, but with her life. She lived out the scriptures for me, so I understood clearly what God required, what God expected of me. I understand from my mother's life what it means to follow Jesus. Did you know that the Bible calls Christians uh, living epistles or living letters from God to a broken and hurting world? Mothers, your job is to, is to be the word of God to your children. It's a big responsibility. But you need to understand, motherhood is of the, of the greatest value in our society, in our culture. Theodore Roosevelt, he said that it's the most important thing of all. He says, when, when all is said, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. And if you don't know Theodore Roosevelt, he's one of the presidents of the, of the U.S., he says, the successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training aright the boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation, is the greater use of the community and occupies, if she would realize it, a more honorable as well as an important position than any man in it. I like that, guys. I wonder if women are remembered at Mother's Day more than men are remembered at Father's Day. She is more important, he says, by far than the successful statesman or businessman, or artist, or scientist. And so mothers, I want you to recognize today the huge influence and impact that you have on your children. Your kids are watching you. In the formative years, you are there with them, and they're watching you, and they're listening to you, and they're following your example. And it doesn't stop. When you turn 30, and 40, and 50, and 60, 70, 80, guess what? Your kids are still looking to you. And it may seem hard for you to believe, but guess what? You're still mom and you still have a role to play in your kids' lives. Now, I'm going to say this to you this morning. David's mother did such a fantastic job as David's mother. Listen to this. That God gives, reserves praise for David, gives praise to David that he gives to no other man on the face of the earth. And guess what he says? God says about David, he says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Wow. I'm sure that David's mother, had she been around to hear that, her heart would have swelled with joy and gladness that her son was recognized by God as a truly great man, a man after the heart of God. Mothers, can I ask you this question this morning? What kind of an impact, what kind of an influence will you have on your kids? What will be said about your children? And so much of it will depend on how you live and how you, what, what you model for your kids. Turn to me and have mercy on me, is what David says. I want you to know something. There's, in, in all of the Bible, in, from, from Genesis to Revelation, listen to this. You are, you are not going to find anything more personal, more intimate, more in, in touch with the heart of God than you will find when you read the Psalms. I believe it's because David's mother 
taught him how to have that close relationship and walk with God. The Psalms are all about David pouring out his heart to God. Mothers, you can model that for your kids. You can teach your kids that. And guess what? It's never too late. All you need to do is start telling your kids what God is speaking into your heart. I need to tell you one other thing. You need to teach your kids, Mom, not just how to walk with God, but you need to teach your kids how to depend on God. Because here's the thing. By nature, we, always, we like to take matters into our own hands, don't we? We like to solve our own problems. We don't want to depend on God because it's, sometimes, let's face it, it just seems like it's the harder way. And yet God calls you and me to depend on him. Look at David says here. It says, God, he's speaking to the Father. He says, show your strength. Show me your strength, God. Give me your strength, God. In behalf of your servant, save me. David's mom taught him how to depend on God, how to look to God for all that he needs. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Most of the problems that we've got in our society today are because of people have not learned yet what it means to depend on God. We try to deal with, look at, how do we deal with our stress? We either t- turn to the bottle, turn to pot, we turn to eating. Mothers, your job is to teach your kids to depend on God. How do we deal with people who, who, uh, who cause us grief and problems? Well, it's very easy to be sarcastic. It's very easy. It's very easy to be manipulative. It's very easy to lie. It's very easy to, to gossip. Why do we do these things? Because we're taking matters into our own hands. We're taking life into our own hands. But, but here's what David's mother taught him. David's mother said, David, don't gossip. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't try to take matters into your own hands because really that's all that that is. Rather, depend on God. Trust the Lord. Go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him for what you need. Don't try to manipulate people. Just trust God. I was reading in the paper about a woman. Her name is Carolyn Taylor, 35 years old from the Bronx. She was arrested on Sunday on grand larceny charges. After surveillance video showed her making hand signals to coach her son, five foot one, 175 pounds, her son. She was coaching him and showing him what to do in order to steal a woman's purse. It came out that this woman had been systematically teaching her children how to steal. And when asked why, she said, well, how else are we going to pay the bills? How else are we going to meet our needs? We've got to do something. And so what happened is she was training her son how to be a thief in order to support himself. Now, this may come as a shock to you, but guess what? Do some research on it. Go on Google, and you'll find find that there is report after report after report on this very thing. Parents were teaching their children not to depend on God, but to depend on their own wits. And I'm telling you, we, we are in big trouble in our culture today. I was saying to somebody just after the service today that we have a whole generation of kids who have not been taught the values that the older generation has been taught. We are in big trouble ahead. And parents, mothers especially, listen to me. You have a responsibility to make sure your kids learn what it means to depend on God for everything. Show your strength, God, in behalf of your servant. Meet my needs. Help me. And finally, 
he says here, save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Isn't that interesting? If you, if you actually read that in the Hebrew, it says, um, save the son of your handmaiden. David was calling his mother a handmaiden of God, a servant of God. Now listen to me. The way that she got that designation is that he would have had to have seen her serving the people around her. He would have seen her caring for the poor. He would have seen his mom caring for the needy. He would have seen his mother caring for the orphans and for the widows, the poor widows. And, and he would have seen his mother caring for, for the strangers in the land, the, the aliens as we call them, the, the, the people who are from another land. He would have seen his mom caring for these, for these people in need. What do your kids see you do, Mom? Do they see you serving or do they see you being selfish? Do they see you putting others first or do they see you putting yourself first? Because here's the thing. You will pass on to your children whatever it is that you believe in, whatever it is that you value. One of the things I'm very thankful for is for my mother, who when I was just a... a a preteen, early teen, she was involved in, in, in crusades, crusaders, the crusader program at Calvary Temple. She was a leader. She was involved in teaching Sunday school. She invited me to come and teach Sunday school with her when I was just about 13 or 14 years old, so that by the time I was 15, I was ready to teach my own class. She was involved in the camp, Calvary Temple Youth Camp. She was involved in so many different things, and she, she encouraged me, and she, she, in some cases, dragged me along to be part of this. And she, what, what happened is that she instilled within me a servant's heart, a desire to serve and care for the needs of others. That's passed on, folks, from generation to generation. And I've got I to ask you, mothers, today, what are you passing on to your kids? David says, I'm a servant because my mother's a servant. That's what it says there. Save me. On behalf of your servant, meaning himself, save me because I serve you just as my mother did. You see how it passes on from generation to generation? Angela, you've, you testified today that you're going to Africa to serve those in Zambia. Guess what? I wouldn't be surprised if your kids didn't end up following in your footprints. Because you're doing it, your kids are going to do that. You want your kids to serve God, people, you've got to model it for them. You've got to set the pace. You've got to set the example. You've got to show yourself as one who serves. And guess what? Your kids will do the same thing because they'll just think that's the normal, that's the normal thing to do. That's the normal thing. And the abnormal thing is to not serve. Some of you may have heard of G. Campbell Morgan, one of the great preachers of the last century. He had four sons, and every one of them went into the ministry. And they had a family discussion, some friends in, and, and the father, G. Campbell Morgan, was there, and his four sons, who were all ministers as well. And uh, one of the guests said to one of the sons by the name of Howard, said, Howard, which, which person in your family is the greatest preacher? Is it your dad, or is it your brothers, or you? Which, which one's the greatest preacher? And he said, well, none of us. It's, it's our mother. She's the greatest preacher of all. Now, you understand what he's saying here. She's never stood behind a pulpit. She never preached a sermon to anybody, but she ministered in the context of her family. And he's acknowledging that she lived out the Word of God. And that spoke more than any sermon he ever heard. There was no question who the greatest preacher in his family was, his mom. Mothers, what will be said about you? Your job as a mother 
is to teach your kids how to walk with God, how to depend on God, and how to serve God. This is what produces greatness in your children. And this is why David is called a man after God's own heart. No man has ever received that kind of recognition or praise from God himself. And I believe it's because there's a mother behind him, a mother who loved him, and a mother who wanted to make sure that he followed God with all his heart. Abraham Lincoln said this. He says, I remember my mother's prayers, and they've always followed me. My mother's prayers have clung to me all my life. Mothers, I want to encourage you and challenge you to carry on carrying the torch, being an example to your children. May your children walk with God. May your children depend on God for all that they need. May your children serve God with all their heart. And if they do, then you can say, your life has been a success. Let's take a look at that video clip.